Okay, I had uh, meant to say this this morning. I'm understanding that this isn't going to be live streamed, but it's going to be posted, right? Okay, so let me talk to all the wives that I know are inevitably listening to these messages (laughs) (laughs) to get ammo. Is the cover, is the lens covered? Oh, we're just, oh, we're getting a close-up for the wives. Okay, so look at me. Okay. If you're you if 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 you're listening to these messages at this retreat with ammo uh, to zing or stick it to your husband because he's not doing the X Y, oh, you're a fool. Don't do that. That's th- this should be fodder for prayer, right? What you're learning in this, be a tattletale. Uh, if your husband isn't rolling right, go tell on him. Tell tell your father in heaven what his son's up to, uh, just be a tattletale and call on him because you love your husband uh, for him to continue the work that only he can do in your husband's heart and your husband's life. He knows uh, you be who God called you to be. Submit yourself to your husband as unto the Lord, as it's fit in the Lord, in the fear of God. Be who God called you to be. Your mess of a husband is God's problem. That's his kid. Uh, so, so, so let's not be using <laughs> the the messages as ammo. You know how we are. We listen to a sermon and we're like, "Ooh, I hope brother so and so was listening to that because that was." I just, I just got. We got to worry about our own heart, right? We all do it. It's like you'll hear something. It's <laughs> oh, that's addressing this person or that person, and. We got to keep bringing ourselves back to the place. God, address my heart. Uh, Have your way with my heart. Father, we love you. Lord, we need you. Again, Lord, we just acknowledge that. Direct us this morning in your word. Help us. Equip us. Lord, be glorified in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we've looked at the relationships. Uh, It's critical that we're not bitter, right? Hebrews chapter 12, 15, again. Says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So, bitterness in a family typically takes root at the spouse level. That's where it starts, but it grows and expands to mess up the kids too. Uh, the kids get jacked up because bitterness is in the heart of the father. So, so far, what we've seen, Colossians three eighteen, wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands love your wives. And be not bitter against them. So wives are commanded by the word of God to submit to their husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And their submission is conditional based on how they're led. We've already talked about that. If it's not fit, do not submit. Right? If it is not fit, you must not submit. That's the condition. Are we leading in a way that is fit? So they're commanded to submit as it's fit in the Lord. That submission is conditional based on how they're led. If the husband is leading in a fit way, if he's a fit husbandman, well, then that makes it easy for the wives to submit. It's the husband's responsibility to to lead in right ways. Okay, now if that's the wife, the responsibility of the husband to be fit or the father to be fit in leadership Uh, It grows, it increases, and so get this down in your notes. Your leadership responsibility before the Lord greatly increases with your kids because the next verse, look at verse 20, the Bible says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. So how do the kids, how do your kids, how are they to obey? Well, it's like their relationship with God himself. No ifs, ands, or buts, right? They're to learn how to be God's child by learning how to be your child. That's the way it's supposed to work. If my kids learn how to unconditionally follow my leadership, that is great training for them to grow up and unconditionally follow the Father in Heaven's leadership. Uh, I can't let my kids get away with sassing me and telling me no because I don't want them to sass God and tell Him no. So how are my kids to obey? Well, just like, just like they need to learn to obey the Lord. 
They're to learn how to be God's child by learning how to be your child. Uh, they, this is why they, they, they learn their theology and song. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You guys sing that here? Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and... I mean, that's the whole song. But to trust and obey. Like, trust and obey. Do what your parents tell you. Do what the Bible tells you. Trust and obey. That's the only way you're going to be happy. Children are to obey, period. Leviticus 19.3 says, Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Proverbs 6.20, My son, keep thy father's commandments, and forsake not the law of thy mother. In the Old Testament, this was required of the child on pain of death. I mean, check out Deuteronomy 21 sometime. Proverbs 20.20 says, Whoso curseth his father his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. So get this down in your notes. If your child messes up following in obedience to you, that's on you, parent. That's on you, father. So husbands, don't be bitter. Let's talk this morning about fathers. Fathers, don't be a butt. Okay, because we'll look at the companion passage here in just a moment. The principle is this, and we already looked at this. In James chapter 3, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Well, now, not only are you married, you're married with kids, and those kids, their proper leadership is on you. You're going to give an account for how you're leaving your kids. You're their master. And again, this is review from last night, but Luke 12, 48, the one that was clueless and committed things worthy of a beatdown and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes, for unto, for unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, will they ask the more? Again, in this example, note the stripes. Note the spanking. There is a... You're going to give an account for how you fathered, how you raised your children. Now, at the end of the day, the child's obedience is to be in the Lord. So let's look at the companion passage in Ephesians chapter 6. There's a very small relief valve given to kids. It's small, but if you run your cross-references, Colossians 3.20 says, Obey your parents in all things. The companion passage says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And notice it's not as it's fit. It's just in the Lord. And, 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 and that may be there for a little bit of wiggle room. We'll talk about that in a sec. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee. And that thou mayest live long on the earth. So if the obedience of the child is not in the Lord, it's not right. That's your next set of blanks. If obedience is not in the Lord, then it's not right. But obedience to parents, I mean, according to Colossians 3, verse 20, that's well-pleasing unto the Lord. That's in the Lord. Obedience to parents is pleasing to the Lord. Let's, uh, let's drill down on this, this concept of being in the Lord. I alluded to this last night. Let's, uh, let's break it down. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, uh, here's where this phrase is used, in the Lord. And I want you to see the context of how it's used. And he, Abraham, believed in the Lord. And he, the Lord, counted to him, Abraham, for righteousness. So this first mention of this phrase, in the Lord, it's in the Lord when it follows the word of the Lord. Do you see that? Abraham believed, right? Abraham took God at his word. He believed in the Lord, and so the Lord accounted. He reckoned Abraham righteous before him. So whenever you compare Colossians 3.20, it's clear that if there's any doubt, the child just needs to obey as a child matures, these biblical principles, they stack up, okay, at the point where you see the word of God for what it is, the call of God for what it is, authority may say, stop preaching in this name, stop preaching in Jesus' name, and what's your responsibility to them? Uh, well, it's just to tell them, do what you want. <laughs> we got to obey God. We must obey God rather than men. 
So there comes a time where it's not that we're rebelling against authority, it's that the authority is forcing us to rebel against the authority. And so we just got to pick our master. And it's the king of kings and the lord of lords. We'll just double down with him. But a child just needs to obey. Now, when it's not in the Lord, well, that is a big danger. I mean, that's a big problem. So don't be a butt, Dad. Don't be a, don't be a jerk. Don't force your children into a no-win situation. Verse 21 follows, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Again, comparing the companion passage in Ephesians 6, verse 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, instead of, instead of winding them up and hacking them off all the time, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So again, the solution is you want to keep your children, right? You want to keep your fathering. You want to keep their obedience to you in the Lord. Bring them up, how? In the Lord, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You compare Ephesians 6, 4 with Genesis 15. We just looked at that. Abraham believed in the Lord. So, so what we're gathering by comparing Scripture with Scripture is we know it's in the Lord when it follows the word of the Lord. Abraham hears the word of the Lord, he believes on it, and God counts, God reckons him, right? God, God, God imputes righteousness to Abraham because he's believing on the word of God. He believed in the Lord. It's in the Lord when it follows the word of God. And so this is key. You need to know this. Children see everything. You think they're not, you, you've heard the phrase, little pitchers have big ears, do they say that in Alabama? So my grandparents said that. Little pitchers have big ears. Nobody? That didn't make it over here? Oh. Just as well, because I don't even know what that means. I mean, it's just <laughs> little pitchers have big ears. It's supposed to mean they hear everything. You think they're not paying attention. And you've seen that in your own life. You think the kid is doped off, slack-jawed, watching TV. You know. There's nothing going on there. And then all of a sudden they're like, what is the hypotenuse? You know, you're, you're, whatever you're talking about. It's like they were dialed completely in. Okay, they see everything, especially hypocrisy. Kids, she, kids will see every shade of hypocrisy. They'll even see it where it doesn't actually exist. If one thing doesn't seem fair from their perspective, well, then they, they see it as hypocrisy. And that's why kids are always saying, that's not fair, fair right? That's not fair. You let Jerry do this, but I can't do this, or, or you're saying I can't do this, but you do this, and that's not fair. So they need to understand. My kids need to understand that there's a final authority. There's an objective standard for truth. It's the word of the Lord, right? I, I, need them to, I need to call them to obey in the Lord, in the word of the Lord. And when I call them to it, if I don't myself submit to it, then that's angering to my kids because it's hypocritical. How many times has a parent said, don't do what I do, do what I say? Well, good luck raising a kid with a heart for God when you roll like, I don't want you smoking cigarettes. Well, you smoke them. Well, don't do what I do, do what I say, said the guy with absolutely no moral authority or standing in the heart and the mind of the child. It's like, well, I'll show you, old man. When I get old enough, I'll do what I want. Because that's obviously what you're doing. You're doing what you want. When you force your kids, right, to hold to a standard that you won't hold to, well, that's aggravating because it comes off hypocritical. When you force on your kids unreasonable expectations, that's angering because they don't see your care for them. When you're constantly moving the goalposts, uh, they see you forget their pro your promises to them, right? Don't be, a, don't, don't be that parent. Uh, no, you can't go play with your friends. No, you can't go to the pool. You didn't clean your room good enough. Well, did you set the standards for excellence up front? Do, or do they know up front the standards for excellence that will then allow them to meet that metric so that they can go have whatever that blessing or benefit is? on the finishing of that work. So you move the goalposts on them. Uh, you, you didn't clean your room good enough. Or didn't you know you had to clean the garage and wash the dog too? You had to, work, you had to weed three rows in the garden. That was what it was for me. Uh, let's go weed the garden. Well, how much? 
before we could go to Bigger Sugar Creek and go swimming, we had to go early in the morning. We had to weed the garden because that's what we ate, right? So everybody's got to go work in the garden. Well, how many, how, how much, how much, how much do I have to weed? How many rows? We wanted to know. I mean, are you going to work us all day like rented mules or, or can we work out something? We do an X amount of work for Y blessing. And so we would negotiate that with my parents. And, and if my mom particularly, she was the one that captained the, the, the weeding of the garden. But man, was, like my first spanking, I could have made up this memory. I get that. I, but I have it. I don't. I just piped up and told my, my folks this probably about the time I was entering my teen years. Oh, yeah, my first memory of getting a spanking was me seeing that my diaper was coming off because I was in trouble over how I was weeding the garden. <laughs> I was getting a spanking. <laughs> my diaper's falling off. And I don't know if that's a true memory. I just have that in my head, this image <laughs> in my head of my dad lighting me up because I was pulling plants, not weeds. And there, he was teaching me how to weed the garden. And so I was I apparently, you know, that tomato plant <laughs> looked like a weed to a toddler. I don't know. <laughs> what was I talking about? That wasn't in my notes. Um, oh, yeah. So, so mom, dad, these are big gardens, okay? You're going to weed four rows. doesn't sound like much. Well, that's a couple hours, Okay. Or that's whatever it is. It's, it, it's most of the morning, okay? Well, you know what? We need to, we need to do the radishes. You didn't say that. You, you know, and so we get aggravated. There'd be a list of chores. What, what, here are the things that you have to do. You get the wood in, whatever it is. Uh, feed the chickens. Do the chores, and then you can watch your cartoons. So you're just setting down. You did all your chores, and you're just setting down to you finally it's super friends. Or whatever, you know. He-Man, the masters of the universe. You're sitting down, and, you, and, you, and you're getting ready to turn on the TV. Uh, this was, yeah, it was before remotes. You were walking to the TV to turn on the TV. It's like, son, I need you to. My show's starting. I got all my chores done in time for my, you, you see, like, nothing's on demand back then. There's equivalents today. My show's getting, but, but He-Man, the masters of the universe, is getting ready to start. Well, I need you to go. You didn't say that up front. So in my mind, that's hypocritical. You're piling it on. I mean, we didn't, this is not what we negotiated. Now, at the end of the day, I'm the kid, and I just got to do what I'm told. But it's aggravating. Sometimes a kid doesn't know what the expectations are. I remember the, the time that I hated my father the most uh, was over something just really dumb. It was a stupid thing, but, but the law of rural life is you find a gate the way you leave it, or the, you leave a gate the way you found it right? And here I am, 10 years old, and we're going into the back part of our property, and, and uh, all the cows were on this half of the property, and we were waiting until the new growth was established before we let the cows in, and, and, uh, and uh, we, went over, we went over there to check on something. Whenever I came back, I left the gate open, and one cow found out and she went running into the back half of our property, just tattling, telling everyone, oh, the hills are alive with lush new vegetation. All the other cows were like, what? And before I could get the gate closed, there's 40 cows through the gate, just running buck wild through green pastures. And uh, dad's out there trying to get them back, get them herded back into the old winter <laughs> the winter part of the property, and nobody wants to live there. I mean, it's just, they're still getting hay over there, you know. And uh, he finally gave up. He was so mad, and he came back, and he's like, you are such a dumb blankety-blank. How can you be wrong all the time? You know, you get those bust clocks wrong half the time, or it's twice a day. Yeah, bust clocks right twice a day, you know. And, uh, I, and in my heart, I just knew I'd blown it. That was a big mistake, but I knew it was a mistake. Like, I knew I just messed up. And at the end of the day, those cows were going to live, and there's no way 40 cows is going to be able to take out 200 acres. I mean, I'm just trying to try do the math on that, and I'm like, what's he mad about? And here I am, a 10-year-old kid, and, and I made the decision. I hate my dad. 
because he's an unreasonable jerk. <laughs> and I'm like, that's it. I'm running away. And while he was chewing on me, I just ran off right out in the woods. I'm like, he can't catch me. I'm running away. This is over. I'm done. I'm, this is over. So I'm, he let me go because where am I going to go? <laughs> we, we, uh, we were on 814 acres in the middle of the Ozark Mountains. And I'm like making my plan. Where, I'm off out in the woods. It's just me and, and, and my anger. And I'm, okay, what am I, you know, yeah, I'm not equipped to leave home. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to eat. I don't know how, like, what town would I go to? How would I get there? Could I bum a ride? You know, I'm like, I'm running away from home. And finally, I realized I don't have the goods to get it done. It was all just a, a, a hot-headed moment for me. And so I went through the woods. I took a long trek back to the house because I was not riding back with my dad. And, but that, that, there was hatred boiling in my heart because I was mad at my father for despising me, for being a hothead, for being unreasonable. You know, it was just always something. Um, <clears throat> praise the Lord, my father and I both came to Christ when I was 12 years old. It totally changed the dynamic. He gave his heart and his life to Christ when I was 12. I, I, he actually led me to Christ two weeks later. Um, yeah, it was wonderful. And so I started noticing changes in my father. Uh, but, you know, spiritual growth takes time. <laughs> uh, it takes a while to learn how to mortify the flesh. The, the man that my father is now, uh, he's just wonderful. I, you just see Jesus in him. It's, he's a, an amazing man of God. <clears throat> By the time I was 17, uh, you know, he would still just, he, sanctification takes time. And I remember telling him he was mad at me about something. And I'm like, I don't even know what you're asking, Dad. I mean, just tell me what you want and I'll do it. And he's like, it's one of those lines. How, how can you be so stupid? How can you be wrong all the time? I'm like, okay, Dad, you're always mad. You're always angry. You're always upset about something. You're like a barking dog, which, I mean, I'm 17. I still need a beat down for telling him what I told him. <laughs> Why do you got to always be such a jerk? That's what a son's telling his father. And he goes, well, how about I get you down? It's the Ozark Mountains. It's flint rocks, flint gravel. That's what we have for a yard and parts of our yard. He's like, how about I get you down in the rocks over there and wheel you around? And I'm like, so help me God, old man, you can try. And you'll probably get it done. But I swear to God and on all that is holy, I will put you in the hospital. <laughs> he just looked at me. He's like, well, be that way then. And then he like switched into we're friends now. <laughs> I don't know. We were buddies after that. <laughs> I'm like, do your worst, old man. I'm, <laughs> I will put you in the Okay, that's dysfunctional, right? There's nothing right about any of that. Now, again, I'm, I'm not bitter or resentful. My father is wonderful. I, I, he's precious to me. We have a wonderful relationship. I kind of wish the guy who is Mike Miles now is the one that raised me when I was a child, but God works all things together for good. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Do you get that? There's a breaking point in them, and you can find it just like that, and you will do damage to that child. You will, you will, you will wreak havoc and destruction in their heart. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So that defines the character of your relationship with your child. You're to be... A nurturing admonisher. Hey, we don't do it that way. We do it this way. Right? What, what is that? I want you to grow, so I'm going to admonish you. I'm going to show you what is wrong. I'm going to tell you what's right. And then that's, that's what we do in counseling, right? We admonish people with the word of the Lord in meekness, in humility. We instruct those that oppose themselves, Second Timothy 2. Peradventure, we do it just on the hope that their, li their eyes will enlighten and they'll see the truth. Peradventure, they come to the acknowledging of the, of the truth so that they then can recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. That's our role 
as a counselor. That's our role as a nurturer, as an admonisher. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. <clears throat> you want to avoid being a pylon parent. Uh, that's one of the things that Cheryl and I had to discover. You know what a pylon, a pylon parent is. One parent is admonishing a child and dealing with them. The other parent's like piling on. Yeah, and you know what else you did, you little jerk? Uh, don't, don't do that, okay? Don't pile on. It's like Cheryl and I had to, re- I said, honey, if I'm disciplining the kids or if I'm admonishing them, just let me do it. Don't pile on. Let's not gang up on our kids. Don't be a pile-on parent and add another arm length of list of offenses to the child while I'm already giving them the business over some problem that they have. Don't pile on. Once I'm done with them, well, then do your worst. You know, you can, you can have your, your turn. But, uh, but it's things like that that you want to learn and have wisdom in terms of, of, of your parenting. Um, don't, don't gang up on your kids because they're going to look at that and say, this is not fair. I'm not wanted here. You know, if I, if I correct my kids, uh, help me encourage them afterward, you know. Uh, let's, uh, let's write down the other areas that we need to work on, and, and then we'll tackle, that. we'll tackle that next week. How about that? So that means you're going to have to be on the same page with your wife. Men are reactive by nature. So get this down in your notes. Fathers can run to extremes, Either that they're totally checked out or that they have unreasonable expectations of their kids. And both extremes are going to produce resentment and wrath in the children. You've got unreasonable expectations for your kid. Now you're commanding them. Some fathers, man, the way that they command their children, it's not fit. It's not in the Lord. Some dads, frankly, are the worst. They start out wrong with their kids. When they don't have a heart, a mind, and a will for God and the things of God over the lives of their children. The example, the greatest example of a terrible dad is King Saul. King Saul has authority, but he rules in an authoritarian way. He's a type of antichrist in your Bible. And look at how he parents. First Samuel chapter 20, verse 30. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said unto him, this is how a father is talking to his son. Thou son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, thou shalt not be established nor thy kingdom. Who lost the kingdom before the Lord? Was it Jonathan or Saul? Man, this guy's the worst. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. So here's a, here's a dad mad at his son for siding with the Lord. And it's typical, right? It's, it's this typical parental resentment that drives relational dysfunction. He's mad at his son because his son savors the things of God. He sees God's will over the life of his people and he's down. He's for that. And his dad's despising him over it. And really... When you back up and you see the whole thing, he's mad at his son over his own failures. He is an unreasonable hypocrite. When we, we sent a team across town to Lee Summit to plant a church, and, and Living Faith Lee Summit uh, started Bible studies. Uh, I can't say enough about that, brothers and sisters. Get full of faith. If you can start a Bible study with the lost, you want to do that, man, it is just a great way to go fishing for souls. You say, why would the lost people want to study the Bible? That just doesn't seem right. Why would, you know, you don't see lost people starting Bible studies. Well, that's because saved people aren't asking them to. Just ask them to. There's open doors all over the place. Okay, so, so they started Bible studies. They started Bible studies with youth. Kids are now coming to Living Faith Lee Summit. They're getting excited about the Bible. They're getting excited about the things of God. They start actually serving the Lord. Uh, they're, they're inviting their friends to Bible study because the Word of God is blowing their mind. They can't stop talking about the Bible. Now, they're living. I mean, Lee Summit would be predominantly culturally Christian. People, all, all the people in Lee Summit grew up in church. They went to typically evangelical churches. Uh, but, you know, they're like a lot of parents today. They're not... They're not training up their children, the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. They got a profession of faith maybe from little Susie when she was a kid, but 
but really they want her in dance competitions on Sunday. That's the type of Christian families that we're talking about. So they get invited uh, to a Bible study at the church we planted across town. They make a profession of faith. They get baptized. Mom and dad's like, why is my kid getting baptized? You know, so they're visiting, and then they see the word of God being preached with authority. And they see their kids selling out to the Lord Jesus Christ, being all in on the word of God. And it was freaking parents out. We had parents telling kids in our Bible studies, you're taking this Bible thing way too serious. You're taking church way too seriously. Uh, You don't want to do this. There were parents who were encouraging their kids to sow their wild oats. Because if you don't get it out of your system now, you're going to mess up your life, your family, your marriage, your relationships later on. So go party. Go Christian. Let me get out my air quotes. Christian parents counseling their kids to not take the Bible so seriously, get out there, live your life in the world. That's smart business. That's a smart way to live. Man, that's demonic. That's so wicked. That's not fit in the Lord. That's an unreasonable, unbiblical expectation. I want you to live like hell because I'm not living for God. How wicked. And yet that's what we see here with King Saul. Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said unto him, Wherefore shall he, David, be slain? What hath he done? And Saul cast a javelin at him, at his own son, to smite him. So the family blew up. Dad's attacking his son. Whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. Okay. Pastor, you ever read that and think, Jonathan's not too bright. I think dad's actually trying to kill him, not David. (laughs) I've thought that so many times over the years. But I get what the Bible's saying. My dad doesn't care anything about what God wants. And he's going to try to take David out. Saul made his son his enemy over not meeting his own perverted expectations and inciting with the Lord. You sided with the Lord. You're savoring the things of God. You are now my enemy. So this is an extreme example of terrible fathering, isn't it? What's the command? You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Verse 32, or verse 34, so Jonathan rose, arose from the table in fierce anger, and did eat no meat in the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David, because his father had done him shame. Saul provoked John to anger. So dad, do the hard work. Make sure your kids see that you're bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Son, I'm not correcting you to make you miserable or to frustrate you. I want you to know God. I want you to know his word. I want you to follow God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And do you see what you're doing here? What am I doing? I'm educating my child and I'm correcting them, but I'm bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I have a nurturing, admonishing responsibility to my child. This is how you're rolling. I want you to see what the Bible says. I want you to be in the Lord. I want you to be able to follow God in your own life, to have your own walk with God. And so I'm going to coach you in that. It's a big difference between why can't I? Because I told you. That's why. Now, again, that's a legitimate answer. A parent to a child, you just need to obey. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in my family but to trust me and obey. But if you leave it there, that's not going to work. They need to know why. Do the hard work. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. So, Father, you're a keeper. You're a keeper. You're a keeper of your garden. You're a keeper of your flock. Genesis 2, 15, God took Adam. The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the good news is, is you're not alone. You've actually got to help me. Uh, your wife will partner with you in keeping your child. Nothing has changed, right? That little garden that you have, that you call a family, that you call a home, always has some snake looking to come in and sow death. So be on guard. I mean, beware, be aware, pay attention. One of the, one of the,
You, you need wisdom from, I mean, if, if parenting doesn't keep you on your knees saying, Lord, give me wisdom, um, man, we got to wake up. Kids don't, if a kid raises themselves, they're going to, it's going to be destruction. My, uh, it's a horrible situation. It's a long story, but my, my younger brother and his wife divorced. She was pursuing a life of extreme and I mean extreme, unrepentant wickedness, and, and, and so it didn't work out between them. Um, she worked very hard to make my brother the enemy um, to his children. She did everything she could to keep them out of his life. And the end result of that, and I'm just thinking about uh, my niece who... Um, doesn't know what she believes. She's off, and she's she's a good girl, but she's just off in the world, living her own life. To my nephew, who was feeding himself out of the refrigerator uh, at two years of age, he's digging in the refrigerator for food. That's how he was staying alive. His sister helping him get the fridge open so he can get hot dogs out of the refrigerator. Um, as a child, as a little child, prepubescent child, a little child drinking alcohol. Uh, by the time he's 12, he was a functional alcoholic, okay? Um, now he's 24, 23, 24. Last week, he checked himself into rehab. I mean, they can't raise themselves. It doesn't work, you know? And uh, it's just been horrible for my brother, you know, to make the investment that he can, but then to see Mom on the other side actively sowing death into her children. It's a horrible thing. So we need wisdom. We need insight. We got this little garden plot. We call it a family. We call it a home. And there's a serpent always trying to get in to bring death. So I need wisdom from on high. That means I got to observe my kids. I got to watch my kids. Now they got to learn how to live their own life. So I can't live it for them. If I spend my whole, if the whole time I'm raising them, all I'm doing is lording over them and commanding them. Now, when they're young, do it because I said so works. But by the time they leave my house, they're going to do what's right because they know why. And they've chosen it. They want it from the heart. So I got to, I, you know, when is the right time for them to have their own cell phone? When is the right time for them to be able to set their own hours? When is the right, like, in other words, I want to go from your life is, your every, every element of your life is dependent upon my benevolence, protection, provision to you are self-sufficient, you're, you're your own man, your own woman before the Lord. <coughs> I want to go from being their all in all to just being a mentor, coach, um, a shoulder if they need it, you know. They have to be their own man or their own woman. A frog got in my throat. <clears throat> Excuse me. They, they, have to be, they have to be able to thrive without me, right? That's the objective. I can't, I can't, uh, what is it? Uh, I can't, uh, I can't parent my children f forever, you know? I can't, I can't keep them sequestered. I can't keep lording over them so we watch our kids and uh, it's okay she's going to have to learn how to use a phone at some point she, she's going to have to learn how to manage her time so we got her a cell phone because we want her to know how to use a smartphone she's I think she's 13 or 14 at the time and we want her to have mastered that before she's on her own and one of the rules that we said was um, we get to look at your phone if you want it, okay? We want you to have it, but it's not your phone, it's our phone. <laughs> and we're going to reserve the right to look at it at any time. Uh, we trust you until you seem untrustworthy, and then we're going to hold you accountable. There'll be correction. Again, we want to bring you up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And uh, I didn't catch it, but my wife was like, something's going on with Sophie. Something's going on with my daughter. She's 14 years old. She'd go into her room, close the door. Well, maybe she's just being a teenager. Is she? Or is she hiding? What's going on? I don't know. It's just, it's just every teenager, somewhere in the teenage phase, the door gets closed. I mean, we get that. But uh, just 
And so it set up a red flag in my, my wife's mind and her heart. And she says, I need to see your phone. So she hands it to her. Just the way she handed it to her. Something's wrong. Some dude was, some predator was grooming her. Like, you got like five contacts in your phone. How, what in the world? How'd that happen? Uh, we start looking at the text. And oh, I mean, just reading it, I got disqualified for the pastorate. Just reading what, was, what he was soliciting. And she thought she was dealing with a kid, and she was trying to be nice to him. She's trying to be a good person. She's trying to be nice to him. And this man, I started texting, and then I started calling. Some dude is stalking my daughter. I'm like, you better pray to God I never meet you, find out who you are. I had a guy. I was a college pastor. He said... uh, I didn't know who it was. It was back when the Jerky Boys were famous. Anybody remember the Jerky Boys? Prank calling all the time. I get this phone call, and this guy's giving me the business. And I know he's doing the Jerky Boy accent the whole nine yards. And I know it's got to be somebody that I know. So I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. And I'm like, hey, dude, I got people here. I know you're having fun. You're not going to get me wound up. He threatened my wife. He's like, uh, it, you know, you're going you're gonna to give me whatever it is or, or you're going to be out sometime and, and we'll just beat your wife. And I'm like, okay, I know I know you. And with the fake accent you're putting on, I actually don't know who you are, but I know I know you. And I'd bet anything we go to church together. And I said, it wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't even surprise me if I'm pastoring you. You better pray to God I never find out who you are. I don't care if it's 20 years from now. The minute I find out who you are, I will put you in the hospital, and I will go to jail with a smile on my face. You just stepped out of bounds, and you threatened my family. And I know, ha-ha, you thought it was funny, but you better pray to God, and on all that is holy, I don't find out who you are. I will hurt you. You, That is wrong. You don't ever threaten my, you know, I mean, it's like I'm I'm the husband. I'm the dad. I'm the, you don't ever threaten my family. So that's the reaction you're looking for. And uh, I hung up, and I didn't get the call back. <laughs> finally, finally, 20 years later, uh, the guy caught to it. Uh, he's one of our missionaries. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and so I lied. I didn't actually put him in the hospital. But there's just, there's always some snake, right, trying to creep in. And they wanted they want to spoil and they wanted to file. I pray to God that, that that conversation is actually what got him straightened out. But anyway, your little garden has always got some predator looking to defile it. And so you gotta you gotta help me and your wife. She knows that you miss stuff, right? Uh, she misses stuff. She needs to listen to you. You need to listen to her. Uh, be accountable. But make sure your kids know what the expectations are, what the goals are. Make sure your kids know and keep the rules that keep them safe and keep them pointed toward faith. You're training them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So when we were raising our kids, uh, we raised them this way. When they were little, it was obey the first time, every time with a happy heart. If you don't obey the first time, every time with a happy heart, uh, that's discipline. Uh, we never called it, we never called it spanking. Uh, we chose a verbi- verbiage for a reason. We called it going to the couch because we're trying to be wise as serpents, um, but harmless as doves. So we want to train our children up biblically. Um, just since we're on that subject, dads never use your hand in judgment on your, ch- on your children. Don't use your hand to discipline your children. The Bible instructs you to use a rod. And so this is where the, the rule of thumb comes into play. You want a little rod like a dowel or something from, from the hardware store that's small like their finger. Um, if you use your hand, if you're going to apply enough force and discipline, you use your hand to spank a child, you can actually mess up their back. You're too strong. You have too much power. And to make it connect, you're having to swing way too hard. But that rod, that thing that the Bible told you to use, it is a magic wand, man. I mean, that thing is amazing. And you can't use it in a way that will actually damage the child. It will break before it will do damage to them. 
uh, it's just it's like the Bible thinks of everything. And so that rod, we didn't call it, we didn't actually call that part of it even discipline. That was called going to the couch because there's always, we know how people in the social services are trained. Do you ever get in trouble at home, junior, missy? Do you ever get in trouble at home? Of course, every kid says yes. Well, what happens when you get in trouble? Our kids would say, I have to go to the couch. And our hope was is that, that somebody would view that as, in Missouri, it's, it's not against the law to use corporal punishment to discipline your children. But we don't need social services in our business. So what happens when you get in trouble? Well, I have to go to the couch. That sounds like time out, you know. That, that's, that's why we did it that way. I, I mean, that's what we did. I, I'm not saying that's biblical to do that. But um, your, hands aren't, your hands aren't designed for punishing your child, okay? Those should be for loving your child, for holding your child. The rod is designed for disciplining your child. So you have to obey the first time every time or you go to the couch. And that is where you learn addition and multiplication. <laughs> I'm like, I can go all day. You want to keep disobeying? I actually know all the numbers. I got a math degree. Um, it's, it's an engineering degree. I, I even know the fancy math. And I know all the numbers. And if you disobey, that's two. If you give me an attitude about it, that's two, two times. Two times two equals. So my kids learned addition and multiplication as toddlers. They're learning this, you know, five years old, and they're, they're like math whizzes. Um, but they get it, right? That sets them up to hear from God. I don't want my kids mouthing off to God and saying, no, I don't want to. When God's word speaks to them, I want them to hear and submit their lives. And it helps them to discern error down the road in their lives. Again, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Some of us, I know, we're praying for our kids to get old. We told them right. They know right. They just don't want right right now. And, and, and that can be the fallacy of the young. But some youth want what's wrong because they're young and dumb. You need to get that in your notes. Some youth want what's wrong because they're young and dumb. By the way, you can be old and dumb too. But the law of sowing and reaping will finish their training, and that's a promise. So the prayer is, God, please age my kids, grow them up. So when they're old, they won't depart. But notice the spirit, right? Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's the spirit of grace. I'm keeping truth, and as a result, I'm living in grace. So I teach, I encourage, and I command my kids. That's what Paul did with his kids. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2.11. And you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So he, his goal was to expect them to know what they should do and to know how to do it. When you expect your kids to know what they should do, when you haven't shown them, well, that's wrong. You have to teach, encourage, and command. You have to exhort, comfort, and charge. You have to explain, train, and task. And then ultimately, you have to be willing. So you're going to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but you have to be willing to correct error. Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12 shows how God disciplines us. He takes us to the couch because we're his sons. If you endure chastening, Hebrews 12, 7, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Look at verse 11. Now no chastening for the present time seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Some kids need a workout. Proverbs 3.12 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a son in whom he delighteth. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I, am, for I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. Again, I want to train you up in the way that you should go. It needs to be in the Lord. Forsake ye not my law, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto thee, said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. And kids get it, man, whenever they know that you're disciplining them, not because you like straightening them out, but because you want them to be straightened out, Right? Kids get that, and they understand it, and it clicks. I remember when my kids were little. I've got, I've got three kids in a, in a shopping cart. 
and we're going to get our stuff. And you know, that's Walmart is a teachable moment for parents. And you're going through Walmart, and there's some kid over there screaming, the three-year-old screaming at mom, telling him no. Three-year-old cursing out mom, cussing him, so you know what dad does. Cussing out mom, calling her names. So I point, out, point the kids out. I said, hey, you see those kids over there? My oldest is maybe five or six. You see those kids over there? What's, what do you think's wrong? What do you think's wrong? They need to go to the couch. So <laughs> my kid. So my, 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 my three-year-olds need to go to the couch. I mean, three years old, they know. There's nothing wrong with that kid that some time on the couch won't straighten out. As they got older, you know, you see a preteen mouthing off to mom or dad, hey, what's going on over there? That kid needs discipline. And you look at, and I'm looking at my kids, and they're disgusted at how this kid's behaving. Maybe it's because... If I can't get away with that, I don't want you to get away with that. I don't know. (laughs) So how do we discipline? How do we do it? Okay, Isaiah chapter 1 tells us how. Isaiah 1.18. This is how God works with us. Remember, in the Lord, what is it? It's it's peaceable. It's gentle. gentle. It's easy to to entreat, you know? So how does God father us? Isaiah 1.18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It's come now, let us reason together, not, not come now, let us scream at each other. That's not how you parent. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You're screaming at your kids, your kids are screaming at you. It's chaos. I, I've only yelled at my kids to get their attention. Or we're playing and I'm having a great time. I, why would I scream at my kids? And why would I ever let them get away with screaming at me? What, what, do I hate them? I'm setting them up to be a little nimrod? I'm training them that they can throw a tantrum before the Lord? No, there's a problem. You've got a problem right now, kid. And I want you to see it set right. I want you to see how to set it right. Come now, let us reason together. There's a problem. Let's get it corrected. Let's get it dealt with. Let's get it set right. Can I just give you one of the great secrets to life? You want to get this down in your notes. This is a great secret. You want to get and keep your family's heart. That's everything. You want to get and keep your family's heart. And you're not going to do that, but you're not going to scream them into giving your Given, given you their heart. You're not going to do that. You're not going to be a tyrant and get them to give you their heart. It doesn't work that way. Um, how did Delilah end up owning Samson? Samson's the strongest man that ever lived, right? How did she take him out? How did she take him down? Well, she got him to give her his heart. In Judges chapter 6, Verse 18, Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart. And she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. I got him. He's mine. I got his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought money in their hand. That's how he was destroyed. She got his heart. Well, the inverse is also true. Proverbs 4.23 commands God's children... Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Why do people, man, be careful who you give your heart to, right? Because there are Delilahs out there, and you'll give them your heart, and you'll just be destroyed. Uh, Be careful who you give your heart to, because the only way you get it back is crushed, right? You give your heart away, it ain't coming back whole. So be careful. Guard your heart. Don't give it away to the world. Uh, That's destruction, Don't give it away to some unproven person that doesn't have a testimony and a walk with the Lord. Don't do do that. You won't get it back whole. It'll come back beat up, tore up, and crushed. Keep your heart with all diligence. See, I know if I get somebody's heart, I have them. How How can I effectively lead somebody unless I have their heart? Well, that's a very big responsibility, isn't it? If Randy gives me his heart, man, that's a... That's a big responsibility on my part. 
if I'm going to lead Randy, that means I've got to lead him right because he's trusting me. He's trusting in me. Do you see that? If I'm going to lead, I've got my wife's heart. Oh, God, help me not to mess this up. My prayer with every kid, my first kid, Sophia, you guys, I mean, if you had kids, you know this. That, that memory of bringing your kid into your house, surely you have. I, that was yesterday for me. I'm bringing this kid home. I'm, I've never driven so carefully in my life. <laughs> you know, so it's a tiny baby, and my wife's over here. <laughs> and the whole way home, I'm, you know, I'm defensive driving. You know, I'm bringing the baby into the house. And as I'm bringing it into the house, I'm like, oh, God, help me. She has to do well. She has to come out right. Please give me wisdom. Give me insight. Give me discernment. Give me a good job. <laughs> I don't want my daughter suffering for lack of anything. I don't want her confused about anything. God, please help me not to screw this up. Because who else is she going to trust in? She has to trust in me. She's going to grow up. I mean, she already, I already had her heart. Uh, I was so excited. We're having a baby. You know, every day I'd get home from work, uh, Cheryl, I'd have her sit down or lay down, and I'd put my hands over her womb, and I'm not super creative, so I really only came up with one song, but it was the same every time. Hey, little Sophie, we found out the sex, so we named her before she was born. Hey, little Sophie, how are you doing? And then I'd sing her part because I knew she couldn't sing it. Daddy, I'm doing fine. Daddy, I'm doing fine. And that's really all I could come up with. But I just sang it over and over because it was fun and it irritated my wife a little bit. And so I liked the reaction it got from her. And, hey, little Sophie, how are you doing? Daddy, I'm doing fine. Daddy, I'm doing fine. I must have sung that song to her a thousand times. At the hospital, she's born. I can't, I never seen anything so beautiful in my life. It was perfect little face and those little lips and everything, just like a little cherub, you know, and, and uh, I'm just in awe. And everything's settled down and everybody's resting and, and I just, I don't, I want to I talk to her. I don't know what to do. It's, so I just do what I always did. I just said, hey, little Sophie, how are you doing? And she screwed on the, daddy, I'm doing fine, daddy, I'm fine. She screwed, her whole body starts wiggling, and she's got this big grin on her face, and I'm like, <gasps> she knows me. <clears throat> a nurse from the side of the room's like, sorry, Dad, that's gas. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know you out of the womb, you know. I'm like, look, she's smiling, and the nurse is like, that's not a smile. She's contorting because she's trying to rip one. I'm like, I didn't believe her. And I said, okay, I think she recognizes my voice. Hey, little Sophie, how are you doing? Daddy, I'm doing... The whole time. She's smiling. She can't even open her eyes. And she's just grinning. Ear to ear. I must have repeated that 50 times for people. I'm like, this kid knows me. Watch. And every time she would screw up her little face into the biggest smile. Like, I'm here, Daddy, I'm here. Um, with all my heart, I believe that my daughter knew my voice from the womb. I knew her. She knew me in the womb. Uh, we had a relationship. Who else is she going to depend on? I'm her father. I can't screw this. God, help me. <laughs> help. With every kid, it was the same thing. Please give me wisdom and discernment and insight into them. I want to be a good husbandman. I don't want to let the world and the flesh and the course of this world and the mystery of iniquity that's at work in this world. I don't want wickedness seizing and having its way with my family. Please help me, Lord. I have to have her heart if I'm going to be her parent. I have to have my wife's heart if I'm going to be her husband. If I'm going to pastor effectively, I have to have the heart of my church. People have to know that their heart is in good hands. So you got to be the guy that's going to be fit to submit to. you got to be the guy that's fit in his leadership. And man, it's not like it's rocket science. The way you do it is you keep it in the Lord. It's not what I want, it's what he wants. It's not what you want, it's what Jesus said. And with all my heart, 
I want you to thrive. With all my heart, I want you to grow. With all my heart, I want you to excel. With all my heart, I want you to want to be a mighty man of God. I can't tell you how many times I had that conversation with my kids. I can't want what's, I can't, I want what's right for you, but I can't want it for you in your stead. You have to want it. And so I made sure over and over again, right? It's the secret in leadership. You have to have people's hearts. So you got to get the heart. My kids grew up knowing I was never perfect. They saw me warts and all, but they knew where my want to was set to. I'm the same person at home as I am at church. When I'm with you, I'm not putting on. I, I, I'm not going to be, I don't want to, I hate hypocrisy. I don't want to act hypocritical and try to put on something that I'm not, I want to be me. And you can either love me and receive me or you can reject me and despise me. That's okay. Um, the creator of heaven and earth already proved I'm accepted in the beloved, so I'm good. Okay. Um, my kids knew I wasn't perfect, but I was real to them. They see me endeavoring. They know where my want to is set to, and they know that I want the same for them, that they would endeavor in fellowship with the Most High. More times than I can count, I've told my kids, you have to want what's right. Now, with all my heart, my heart yearns on you, kid, (laughs) child. I love you more than you'll ever know. And with all my heart, all I want for you is for you to want to be a mighty man or a mighty woman of God. That's all I want for Midtown Baptist Temple. With all my heart, I just want you to grow in grace. I want you to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. I want that more than anything. I want you to want to be a mighty man or a mighty woman of God. But you got to want that. In other words, we have to go from do it because I said so to do it because you know what the word of the Lord is and you want it with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Some dads are the worst, but some dads are invested. Look at what the Lord said about Abraham. Genesis 18, 19. I know him. I know Abraham. That he will command his children and his household after them in the Lord. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may, be, may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken unto him or spoken of him. And so Isaac was trained up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. He raised him up in the Lord to keep the way of the Lord. And that's been my approach with my family. The, the results are not all in yet, but I am looking at the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, before I know it, I will be an empty nester. My oldest daughter is um, 23. Uh, she's married. And uh, she emails me all the time asking me Bible questions. She's in her Bible. She's discipling. She came by my office to make sure that I knew that, or maybe it was by the house, I don't remember. She came by and, and made sure I knew that, that her disciple was getting ready to finish up, was getting ready to move on. Uh, she's still in the Bible school, um, married, loves her husband, her husband loves her. You know, thank you, Lord. Um, my son, Sam, he is a, a junior in college this year. Um, man, he's got such a good heart. He wants to serve people. He loves the Lord. Um, I'm proud to know him. Sophie and Sam, they make my heart really happy. Uh, My youngest, Seth, he's either going to grow up awesome or it's going to be a family embarrassment. We'll see. Uh, But he'll be a senior in high school this year. He's starting to really man up. It's kind of neat to watch him mature. It's neat to see him getting a heart for people. Uh, He's got a Bible study going where he's reaching out to kids uh, on Thursday nights to do Bible study. And after he does the Bible study, he's always got some questions for me. Like, uh, Dad, we were talking about, you know, it'll be some nth degree trippy thing. You know, he's like, wow, that's trippy. You know, and so what, where do I need to be studying for that? And, man, that just makes my heart happy. Um, again, he's 17, so we'll see where he's at when he's 27. I think that's where we'll know the concrete set right, but... I didn't raise my kids perfect, but I know for a fact I had their heart. 
and I was able to have hard conversations and I was able to discipline them. I was able to instruct them. I was able to nurture and admonish them because they trusted me. They didn't always like what I had to say, um, but it's very critical. We can provoke our children to wrath. And the minute you've done that, you provoke them to fierce anger. How are you going to parent that kid that's saying, I hate my dad? I don't want him in my life. Now, how are you going to fulfill your responsibility? With all your heart, you want to get and keep the hearts of those that God has placed in your life. That's the secret to everything. If I have your heart, I can help you. Now, it has to be in the Lord or I can hurt you. Decide to be the one that is fit to submit to. And then, man, God will greatly bless your marriage. He'll bless your parenting. He'll greatly bless your life, your family. It'll be rich. Man, I love you guys. I, 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 I see how you attend on the things of God. And it really encourages me to see people that are savoring the things of God, that love the things of God. Don't stop, right? Don't stop. If you'll keep doing that in Alabama, we'll keep doing it in Missouri. And so help us, God, so help us by his grace, we'll keep winning uh, the U.S. to Christ. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you.